Thank you, Pastor. Well, good evening. There you go. I do appreciate so much you being here this evening. Uh, we counted a great joy to have been here with you these last few days and still a joy to be here. But you know what I appreciate more than you coming is the Lord's presence. I know what people think. Well, I don't feel him. It ain't got nothing to do with it. That's not good English, is it? Our feelings has nothing to do with the truth of the Word of God. Amen. Jesus promised to meet with us if we'd come together in His name, and I believe that's what we're doing tonight, is coming together in the name of the Lord so we can recognize Him as being here. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. When we get beyond all this feeling and emotion stuff and get down to truly believing what God says, it'll change our life. It will absolutely change our life. So we can just rejoice tonight in the presence of the Lord. I, you know, y'all are, uh, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd never met Pastor Fant before. I'd never been to Harvest before. But y'all are typical Baptist. How do I know? You like to eat. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate the food the church has provided. I appreciate the Pitzels, did I say that right? I appreciate the Pitzels putting up with us, feeding us breakfast, and uh, just uh, giving us a place to stay and to rest and uh, recoup just a little bit. We appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate the, uh, the uh, Edna Huffers and the Olsons in uh, providing meals for us the last couple of nights, and that's been a real joy. I even appreciated them chicken strips today for lunch that the church provided and the French fries. And the grapes, okay? I let, I let these other men take care of the youngins, okay? I was just there as moral support, okay? You understand? <laughs> okay. But uh, anyway, folks, it's absolutely has been, and it's still our joy uh, to be here with you at Harvest. And uh, I appreciate in the Lord what I see here. It's already been mentioned. I appreciate your love and support for your pastors. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I pastored for 26 years, and I pastored small churches that struggled in every way. And I appreciate this brother's ministry. I appreciate my wife. She stuck with me down through the years, all 50 of them. But I appreciate her support when I was pastoring. Because you don't get much support from church people. I never did anyway. Okay? Uh, it don't matter what I preached. I was fussing at them. So they said. And I'm saying, wait just a minute. I'm just telling you what God says. That's between you and God. Okay? That's not me. That's just you and God. So I'm going to encourage you. You continue to love on and support your pastors here. And you take care of them. And I would suggest to you that you send all of them to this retreat that the brother's having next month. Okay? Okay? Uh, I've got a son that is an assistant pastor not too far from us. 
And uh, I'm really thinking that might be a real help for him. But anyhow, you think on these things, folk, and uh, you just keep your pastors before the Lord. I've got a message that I preach at home on how to pray for missionaries, and I think I might ought to work up one on how to pray for pastors because pastors need your prayers because they fight the devil in ways you've never dreamed of. So you be much in prayer for them. Now, the message tonight, you're expecting a missions message, right? I'm not preaching on missions. I'm preaching on what they told me to preach. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a message to the church. It's a message to you. Okay? I'm preaching on John Mark redemption through second chances okay go with me if you would to acts chapter number 12 acts chapter number 12 i want us to get a good look at this young man john mark and uh we'll see some things about him that i trust will Be a help to you. Let me just ask you this before we get started in the message. (laughs) Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't do? Man, I feel conviction already. God called me to preach when I was 16. And like a fool, I said, Lord, that ain't what I want to do. Like a fool. You understand what I'm saying? You got to understand that God knows everything there is to know about me, a lot of things that I don't know about me. Okay. He knew how he could use me, but he also knew what would bring me the greatest joy in my life of anything. Folks, I'd rather preach than eat. And I like to eat. Okay? But I'd much rather preach. I never dreamed of that. I started teaching our teenage Sunday school class when I was 18. I've been studying this book diligently, diligently for 51 years. Okay? And it still continues to amaze me what God has to say. But I'm asking, has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't do? I want to encourage you to understand God is a God of second chances. Okay. Anyhow, Acts chapter 12. Let's look first of all in verse number 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. All right, look over in verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, The church is at Mary's house, the mother of John Mark. They're at Mary's house praying. They all know in verses 1 and 2 that Herod had killed James. They all knew of Peter's arrest 
and Herod's intention to kill him. In verse 25, Paul and Barnabas take John Mark with them on their ministry journeys. Look in chapter 13 and verse number 5. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. John Mark is called their minister. John was to, to Paul and Barnabas what Joshua was to Moses. Okay? He was the minister who cared for, their, for their, uh, their physical needs. Now look in chapter 13 and verse number 13. Now when Paul and his company had or loose from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. The reason that John left is not given unto us here. Now, but here's the thing you need to think about. Cyprus was easy. It was easy ministering in Cyprus because John Mark knew everybody there. It was his hometown, his home country. He was, it was easy ministering there. But he had seen all the trouble that Peter had faced, and he was present when Paul had cursed Elamus the sorcerer. He was with them, listen, he was with them going deeper and deeper into unknown regions. And I'm thinking it is a great possibility that John departed because of fear. I was thinking about Brother Dahlhausen, 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 last night going to Morocco. And as he was showing his video, I thought, how long is it going to be before they're put in prison for speaking the gospel to people? Hope that never happens. Pray it never happens. But think about it. Here they were going deeper and deeper into unknown territory. Let me say this to you. Fear in ministry is oftentimes a good thing. Why? It drives you to Christ. It drives you to the only one who's able to provide for you the protection that you need to provide for you the power that you need to minister. Have you ever, listen, has the Spirit of God ever moved on your heart to witness to somebody? What happens first thing? Your heart speeds up about three times too fast, right? Your hands start sweating. You get so nervous, you start thinking, do I know how to say? Am I sure I know what to say? Am I sure I know how to do it? You know what that is? That's fear. So what do you do next? Lord, I've got to have your help if I'm going to do this. And you know what he does? He comes right along beside you and helps you. Okay? And it's a great possibility. You may delete that soul to Christ because the Spirit of God is already working. Fear is a good thing because it drives us to Christ. Here's the thing I want you to think about John Mark. He was not the first one that was afraid in ministry. You think about Jeremiah. You can go back to chapter 1 and verse number 6. When God called Jeremiah, he said, whoa, I can't do that. He said, I'm just a child. Now, I don't know how old he was, but probably a teenager. But he said, I'm just a child. I'm afraid. That was my problem when God called me to preach. I was afraid. I knew because of what I had been taught all of my lifetime, I knew if I preached, I'd have to preach what God says. 
And I knew not everybody liked what God says. My pastor had told us time and time again <laughs> how he was hated and how many people wanted to kill him. Okay? I've only been threatened one time in my ministry. And the man finally came back and apologized for doing it. But listen to me, folks. It's not always pie in the sky when you're in ministry. Jeremiah was fearful. And after years of prophesying and being persecuted, you find in chapter number 20, Jeremiah said, I'm not going to speak anymore in this name if this is the way it's going to be. But he said, there was a fire burning down in my soul, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. He said, I couldn't help myself. I had to go preach because the Word of God was burning in my soul. Remember Jonah when God called him? God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. He said, I'm not going. There's two or three reasons for that. <laughs> his patriotism overruled his spirituality. What do you mean? Listen, those Ninevites were Israel's, Assyria was Israel's enemies. He said, I'm not going to my enemies. Let me ask you a question. If God asked you today to go to Hamas and preach tomorrow, would you go? We know they're Israel's enemies. I read a quote. I read a quote from Hamas this morning early. It said, it said, our, our desire is to destroy every Jew and every Christian. That's you. Would you go preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what God asked Jonah to do. Jonah refused because his patriotism overruled his spirituality. He hated the Assyrians because they were Israel's enemies. His prejudice overrode his love. Therefore, he said, I'm not going. He was because of fear. Remember Gideon in, uh, what was it, Judges chapter number 6? Gideon said, why are you asking me? I'm a nobody. But do you remember what God said to him? God said, I want you to go, you mighty man of power. And Gideon said, I'm not a mighty man of power. I'm nobody in Israel. Folks, I know me a whole lot better than you do. And my wife knows me better than I do as well. I recognize I'm nobody. In myself, I'm nobody. Just like Gideon. And Gideon said, I can't go. I'm not going to go. I can't go. I can't go. I'm not able to go. But God said, you go. And you know the right mighty work that Gideon did. John left, and he no longer helped in the ministry. Let me say this as an experienced pastor. That's just like so many today. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever hurt your feelings let me ask you another question. Have you ever got your feelings hurt in church? Anybody going to be honest? If you have, you ought to be the pastor. Everybody gets their feelings hurt in church. Big deal. Do you ever get your feelings hurt on the job? Do you ever go to a bank and get your feelings hurt? When we were in Peru... Just before we left, they required every citizen to have the COVID shot. They required it. 
You couldn't go to the grocery store unless you had it. You couldn't go to the bank unless you'd had it. We went to the bank, and they said, have you had your shot? We said, no, we're not under your government. We're Americans. And the man said, well, I don't know. Then he said, just wait a minute. God is my witness. Here come this woman in a full hazmat suit. God, a full hazmat suit. And she said, okay, come on in. I'm thinking, what's wrong? Well, don't let me go there. <laughs> John didn't help in ministry anymore at this point. Now, let me beg of you, don't lose your first fervor for Christ. Man, when you first get saved, you're just on fire. You want to tell somebody about Jesus. You want to tell somebody what God's done in your life. About six months, you say, well, you know, and then it just eases off. And Don't lose that first fervor, that first fire for Christ. Keep it burning down in your soul. Go over a little bit to Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, we're going to begin in verse number 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Listen. Though the separation took place, it is evident from 1 Corinthians 9, 6 that Barnabas continued in his apostolic work. We're not told, but probably and possibly John Mark was with him. But here's what's going on in John Mark's heart during this time. He recognizes his, he was conscious of his fall. He was conscious of how he had denied the power of Christ, how he had denied Paul and Barnabas, and had been selfish and gone his own way. So now he's coming to the master for forgiveness, and now it is deepening his consecration for the work of God. How do I know that? Well, we hear from John Mark again in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, let me go there right quick and see what that says. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says there, uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. That's John Mark. Touching whom you receive commandment. If he come unto you, receive him, Paul says. He's still speaking now of John Mark. He said, God has done a transforming work in John Mark's heart. And John Mark has given a second chance 
to do the work of God. And John Mark has stepped up to the plate now and he's ready and willing to do the work of God. So if he comes, you receive him and carry him on his way. Paul is now recommending John Mark to the church at Colossae. It's evident that John Mark's heart had been purified from its cowardice and his selfishness. And now Paul desires to promote him in the work of God as God's man. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, you'll find that Paul calls for John Mark in verse number 11. He says that John Mark is profitable for the ministry. Remember what happened back in Acts 13? Now Paul is saying he's been given a second chance now because of what he's learned, because of what he's learned and seen about himself, what he's learned and seen about God and his presence and his power, what he's learned and understood about the word of God. He said, now John Mark is profitable me to me in the ministry. His failure and his repentance had fashioned him for the work. I want you to understand. God may be still working in your heart about some kind of ministry. Okay? Now you listen to me and say, well, preacher, I, I'm not sure where that's coming from. Let me ask you something. Would your flesh ever want you to be involved in ministry? No. Would the devil ever want you to be involved in ministry? No. Not unless you don't believe the Word of God. Then he can use you because there's plenty of them out there. Okay? So if it's not your flesh and it's not the devil, reckon where it's coming from. Don't you just think it might very well be the Spirit of God that keeps working in your heart, reminding you of what He asked you to do 14 years ago or 40 years ago? Don't you think it may be that He's trying to give you a second chance now that you're older and you're wiser and you're more experienced in the work of God? You've learned the Word of God from your pastors more than you've ever known in all of your lifetime. God has prepared you now, and now He's opening the door again. Don't you think it might be that God is willing to redeem your situation by giving you a second opportunity? That's what He did with John Mark. In Philemon, verse 24, Paul calls him a fellow laborer. Is it, uh, pastors, help me, is it 2 Corinthians 3.12 that says we are fellow laborers with Christ? Can you get a hold of that? This is God's work we're talking about. This is the work of God here on the earth. I'm going to give you, I hadn't thought about this until just now, but let me give you something right here. Everything God does on the earth, He does through the church. That's you. Why do you say that? Ephesians tells us that Christ is ahead, right? Okay. He also tells us the church is His body, right? Will you agree with me that a body cannot function without a head? We can't do the work of God without Christ. Will you agree to that? Let me give you something else. Do you know that a head can't function without a body? 
What are you saying? God can't function on the earth apart from you. You. When you got saved, God gave you at least one gift. At least one. Okay? It's up to you to figure out what that gift is. And then carry it on in the power of the Holy Spirit right here at Harvest Baptist Church. God gave you that gift because he knew that that gift was needed for this body to function to its fullest potential. If my hand's not working, my body's not going to function right. Will you agree with me? If it's not working, I'm required for my hand and every other part of my body to function to its fullest potential in order for my body to function at its fullest potential. You using your gift in the power of the Holy Spirit right here at Harvest is necessary for Harvest to function at its fullest potential for the glory of God. John Mark came to understand that. He came to recognize how foolish I was way back yonder. But I recognize now what God is doing and how that God can use me. God gives second chances. Remember, Peter denied the Lord three times. Remember that? But Peter was one of the first ones that Jesus appeared to on resurrection day. Moses killed an Egyptian defending an Israelite. But later Moses was called of God and used mightily by God. Jonah, he first refused, but then he was fruitful, though it made him mad. <laughs> huh? Look at it. God is the God of second chances. Here we find in John Mark, this weak, frightened, and returning youth becomes an evangelist, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he pins down a book of the Bible. Okay? This second chance for John Mark, it was seized with strength and power by the working of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand, God is a God of second chances. You might have missed it the first time around, just like I did. But listen, you know as well as I do that God is still working that God is still reminding you and God is still moving in your heart to do something that he's asked you to do. I want to encourage you tonight, humble yourself before him and yield. It'll be one of the greatest days of your life. The 28th of this month, Forty-five years ago, I surrendered to preach. Okay? God gave me 